Open with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. You know, we're doing a series on faith. And we're probably about halfway through. This is, I think, our fourth fourth week on this uh, series. And we're teaching uh, Revelation, the whole book of Revelation. We're going through it verse by verse in Sunday school. Jordan and Patricia taught this morning. I appreciate them teaching. It was a wonderful teaching on the last two churches that are mentioned in chapters 2 and 3. And um, a wonderful lesson this morning. Well, let's look at this in Mark chapter 16. We're going to read two verses, just 15 and 16. Mark 16, 15 and 16. And he said, said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And so our calling as believers is to go into the world. But He tells us the result that's going to be for every man that hears the Gospel. He says, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. There's no black or white. I mean, there's no in-between. There's no maybe. There's no gray area. It's very clear here that he that believes is going to be saved. Amen. He that believeth not shall be damned. It all hangs on that. And we're going to talk today about what I would call uh, saving faith. The Bible doesn't call it saving faith. And saving faith is actually not any different than any other kind of true biblical faith in God. But we are going to look specifically this morning about faith unto salvation. Faith unto the saving of the soul and the absolute necessity of it. And when he says here that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He doesn't say they might be saved. There's a good possibility that they'll be saved if they do a lot of good works on top of that. He says they shall be saved. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Okay, There's none besides Him. The Lord says this, and you don't have to turn here, but I'm quoting from Isaiah 28.16 if you're taking notes. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Any idea who that is? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He that believeth shall not make haste. And Peter quotes the same thing, I believe, in First, uh, first Peter. And he says that he that believes on Him shall not be confounded. That means he won't be disappointed. He won't be discouraged. You put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you won't be ashamed. You won't be let down. You won't be disappointed. You won't be discouraged. He is that rock of salvation. He is a very sure foundation. In fact, there's not a more sure foundation than the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're talking today in our series on faith. Uh, Of course, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. We've given many scriptures without faith. It's impossible to please Him, right? He that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. But we're talking about saving faith. Again, it's not a different kind of faith like saving faiths over here and everyday kind of faiths over here. It's still faith, okay? But we're talking specifically about the need for faith, true, biblical, genuine faith in Almighty God for the salvation of an individual. Okay, so that's what I mean when I say saving faith. It's faith, belief, confidence, trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Him alone, to be one's Savior. This sounds very elementary and simple. Maybe we've been saved for many years and it is elementary and simple. 
but it should never become old to us. We take communion on Sunday nights and, and that should never become old to us and what it represents. Saving faith is not different, but it's necessary for a man to be saved. How is a man born again? How does a person get born again? You know people that are lost. You want them to be saved. There's a world full of lost people out there. How are they saved? Okay, How do they go from being lost to saved? The Lord knows how to do it. How does a man receive the gift or an individual receive the gift of eternal life? It's a gift that God wants all to have. Amen? He so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever what believes in Him should have eternal life. And uh, how, does, how does a man receive this gift? How does a man receive forgiveness of sins? How does a man um, have the penalty of his sins removed from off of his life? Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. How does a man become part of God's own family? Not just a creation of God, but part of His family. Okay? How is a man justified? in the eyes of God. How is a man made right in God's sight? And we're looking at this as there's the absolute necessity of faith. Biblical faith, saving faith, true confidence and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. And, uh, the Bible says, therefore it is of faith. Romans 4.16 Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also, so it's not to Jews only, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Father of us all in the sense of, of in, in the spiritual sense. Abraham believed God, right? It was counted to him for righteousness. Uh, it's really saving faith would be the first act of faith that any man must have. We've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. All the rest will follow. Faith to be a martyr. Faith to serve God. Faith to, uh, to step out you know, and do some, some work for the Lord. And to press on to know God more. It all has to start with the saving faith, right? It has to start... That's the first response to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And so, again, it's not a different kind of faith. It's faith in the Lord. Jesus said, have faith in God. That's what He said. When, when this, the disciples marveled, I think Peter said, Lord, look how quickly the, the fig tree has withered. You just cursed it yesterday and it's withered today. That's not natural. Jesus' response wasn't to give a breakdown about fig trees or, or something, anything like that. His response was, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Because if you have the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, be thou removed to this sycamore tree. Be plucked up and cast into the sea. And it shall be done. And nothing shall be impossible to him who believes. I mean, that's quite a statement. It's quite an amazing statement. But it all starts with saving faith. It all starts with me saying yes to the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It starts there. It has to start there. Nothing else. If I, if I don't believe in the Lord and don't not really interested in the Lord and have no desire to repent and give my life to Christ, but I want some good things from God, it doesn't work that way. God may be good to you because He is good. Okay? God is kind to people that hate Him and 
are not saved, and he knows they'll never be saved. He still spares their lives on I-10 every day and, and does miracles for us, lost people every day, and they don't even realize that he's doing that for them. But it all starts with a relationship with God which we enter into by faith. And that's what we're talking about here today. Uh, Jesus said, you must be born again. Right? He say you must be born again. Not it would be a good thing or a good idea. He says you must be born again. And listen to this. If any man will be born again, because all will not. We know that, right? Why does the gate that goes to destruction and many there be that go, you know, go that way? And so, uh, you must be born again. And if any man will be born again, he or she will be born again by faith. That's how they're going to do it. They're not going to be born again some other way. In no other way. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't escape this in the Bible. It's all through the 66 chapters of the Bible. Man's salvation comes through faith. Man's righteousness comes through faith. Man's... uh, uh, justification in the eyes of God is by faith. The forgiveness of sins is by faith. Old Testament, New Testament. The Word of God reveals and it records of real people like Abraham who we've mentioned and so many others that Hebrews 11 mentions that we've talked about. Men and women, God's gracious dealings with them by His grace, but it's on the basis of their faith in Him. Not their perfection, not their good works, not some deep vow that they made that they'd never sin again. It was by placing their faith in the Lord. Old Testament, New Testament, all through the Bible, men are eternally saved by God only as they put their faith in Christ, the Redeemer, God's own uh, Son. He is God's provision for sin. And God's only provision for sin. So if you're look, you or I or any man is looking elsewhere for a provision, you know what I mean? That's something that God's provided. What's needed for the forgiveness of my sins. It becomes very personal. What do I need to get from here to there? What do I need to, to, to get sin out of my life? To be cleansed of that? Because I know that the, the wages of it is death and eternal separation from God. How do I get from here to there? The distance is too far from a sinful man that I am to a holy, perfect God. Like we heard about in Sunday school this morning. It is by faith. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. We have to put our trust in the Lord in Him alone. Y'all, I want to just read some scriptures. I'm going to give you the scriptures, but for time's sake, I'm going to go through them kind of quickly. But the scriptures come from uh, Romans 3.24 and 28, Galatians 2.16, and Galatians 3.24. And just listen. Being, we're talking about how is a man justified with the Lord? How is a man righteous in God's sight? Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Galatians 2 says this, not knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ 
that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. In the last scripture in this little section, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Okay? That we might be justified by faith. This is You're saying, I know all this. This is so elementary. It is elementary. But it's the truth. And it's what God has for us today. The Bible does say that what saith the Scriptures? Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. When you just really take a step back and look at that for a second, was Abraham any more uh, perfect or created in some higher moral way of creation than we were? He was a sinful man like we were. And like we are. Okay, He was just a man. But Abraham believed God when God made a promise to him. God made this amazing promise to him when you look at the covenant that God established and it was through no part. He just made it with Abraham. You understand what I'm saying? He just on God's part is very strong. He just, Abraham, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Many nations, You're going to possess this land and through you all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed and by your seed. The whole world's going to be blessed. That's Christ. Because Jesus Christ was born of that line of Abraham eventually. At the time, he had no son. His only heir was a servant that was going to inherit all of his wealth. He had a lot of wealth. He didn't have a child. He certainly didn't have nations coming from his descendancy. And yet, God makes this promise. And Abraham looks at God. I'm not saying physically, but Abraham looks at the Lord by faith. Abraham believed God. I believe that you are. I believe that you're a rewarder of them that diligently seek you. I believe the promise that you made to me. I believe that it's impossible for you to lie. I believe that. And so against all the other things that seemed impossible, he believed and trusted God. And God says, Abraham, because you believed, I'm counting this unto you. I am imparting this to you, is the word imputing it to you, as being righteousness. He hadn't done one more thing or one less thing for God. I'm trying to make the point that it's not of works or service. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. This is your righteousness. I'm counting this, you as being righteous in my sight. Other people might not see any different, but when I see you, I see you as being righteous because you have what? Believed in me. You have put your trust in me. And this is between you and me, Abraham. And you put your faith in me. And, and God counts it as righteousness. And so, uh, we, we become sinners. We're sinners by nature, y'all. And we're <coughs> sinners by practice. How many of you know that? We're sinners by nature. Being descendants of Adam, who was a sinner, right? And that passed upon all men. And we're sinners by practice, because it says, for, in that all have sinned and come short of God's glory. And y'all, listen, we can't work ourselves out of it. And that would be pridefulness on man's part too. Kind of like self-sufficiency on man's part. Looking around saying, okay, I got myself into this mess and I'm going to get myself out of it. Now there's a lot of things in life we can do that and we should have that attitude, honestly. 
But when it comes to our morality, sin, spiritual salvation, a relationship with God, it is pride to think that, okay, I've, I've sinned. I've, you know, start listing out some sins in your life. I'll take care of this. I've got some pretty good self-discipline. I can work myself out of this. And we cannot do that. We can't, even if we could, stop sinning from here forward. All right? And there's a lot we can accomplish by discipline. You know, if somebody's, uh, I say it all the time, somebody smokes, it's, they're not a Christian, they can't quit smoking. It might be hard. It's not impossible. People do it. But we can't quit sinning. Our thoughts, our heart, evil desires of our heart. And, and even if we could stop sinning from here forward, we still are sinners by nature and we still have a sinful past. And the sins don't just float off into the air and go away somewhere. Where? They have to be brought under the blood of Jesus. They have to be forgiven. They don't just go away because we choose to forget about it. Well, that's my past. This is a New Year's resolution. I'm turning over a new leaf in life. Well, their sins are still there. Iniquity abounds, okay? And it has to be forgiven. And so there's the need for faith. We cannot uh, simply pay God back or make it up to the Lord. We understand that from the Scriptures. We need a Savior. Now, what the Bible says, we need a Savior. And it says in Jeremiah 13, can the, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? It's a question. It's a rhetorical question because you know the answer. They cannot. Ethiopian cannot change his skin or the leopard his spots. He's making a point. The Lord says then, in other words, if that were possible, then may you also do good which you're accustomed to do evil. And so we're putting that in context. It's not just some weird scripture about leopards, okay, and their spots. He's saying then if, if a leper could change its spots and a person could change their skin, then, then you which are sinners by nature, you're accustomed to doing evil, then you could all of a sudden be good. He's saying you can't do it. Okay? You can't do it. We need a Savior. We need a Savior. Men are saved, y'all, by the Savior. Men are redeemed by the Redeemer. Men are delivered by the Deliverer. Men are forgiven by the Forgiver. We don't do it. In any other avenue of, quote, salvation or trying to be right with God or work my way into heaven, I'm not against works. We talked about that a little bit in Sunday school as well. And we'll talk about that more in this series, not so much today. The good works follow the faith in Christ. They don't precede it. They're not good works if they're before faith in Christ. They're just works and they're fruitless and they're pointless and they come to vanity and nothing. But we, uh, we're redeemed by the Redeemer. Okay? All this becomes a man's or a woman's or an individual person's. And like I said, it's very personal. This is not generic. God so loved the world. He did. But Jesus was talking at that moment to Nicodemus, a man who came to Him secretly by night. He was talking to a man in that context and said, you must be born again, Nicodemus. Nicodemus questions, how, how can it be? I'm old. How can I be born again? And he explains it to him. Okay, And so it's, it is worldwide, but at the same time, it is absolutely personal. Every man, woman, and child that has ever been born from Adam and Eve that ever will be born, it's personal to them. Believe in God. 
believe in God or don't believe in God. It hangs on that. Our eternity hangs on that. And it all becomes ours by faith. Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Right? In my Father's house are many mansions. It comes down to faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to give a couple more scriptures. Romans 5.1 and Romans 3.26. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And y'all, it is a wonderful thing to have peace with God. You see bumper stickers about if you want peace, you know, work for justice and all these different answers for peace. It peace comes to a man when we put our faith in God. And the best peace you'll ever have is the one that's inward because it's between me and the Lord. There's peace, there's unrest all around. There's no denying it. There's unrest all around. And it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse until Jesus comes back on a white horse and sets up His kingdom and reigns and rules on this earth with a rod of iron. The Prince of Peace is actually here reigning and ruling. But until then, there will be turmoil, turmoil all around, but yet you can have incredible, lasting, true, eternal peace in your heart with God today and now. And there's nothing like it. You can sleep well. You know, maybe something else keeps you up at night, but this won't, okay? Your, your relationship with God. Your sins are forgiven. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Uh, we're, we're in the Father's hands and nothing and no one can pluck us from the Father's hands. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. These are wonderful Scriptures. We ought to memorize them. We ought to think about them all day long when we're having turmoil and all kinds of things going on around us. The Bible says, uh, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He may be just and the justifier of him that believes in Jesus. He's righteous. He's just. And He is the justifier, which is a word we don't use very often. I said because it doesn't apply to anybody but the Lord. He is the justifier of him who does what? Who believes in Jesus Christ. He justifies us freely by His grace. And so, these are blessings that's come to to us and it's arrogant, as I said, to think that we could receive that any other way. It really is. It's prideful. It's arrogant. It's going to end in vanity. Uh, To think that I can be justified apart from faith in God. Apart from uh, surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and put my faith squarely and solely upon Him. His blood. His righteousness. It's arrogant. It's arrogant. Religious people can be that way. Non-religious people can be that way. They don't believe in any religion. They just think they're a good person. They don't believe in heaven or hell or God. But they think if there is one, I'm sure I'm good enough to go there. I help people out. I'm a nice guy. That's arrogant. And it's, it's a lie. We need to go to the Word of God. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Believe what? Go into all the world and preach this Gospel. The Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God requires faith in Him on the part of men. There's one thing we learn from the Bible. We learn that. God requires faith in Him on the part of men. We have to come to Him by faith. And we talked about this last week, so I'm just touch on it very briefly. Though He requires faith in Him on the part of men, 
He also graciously enables men to do it. It's not like He demands you to do something you can't do. I demand you to, to bench press 500 pounds. Well, I can't do that. Okay? You know, I demand you to, to stay up a week straight without sleep. I can't do that. You understand? He's not demanding us to do something we can't do. He requires faith in men, but He has proven Himself faithful that at every turn He has shown Himself faithful. He's given us His Word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And He's given us a conscience, and He's given us creation. We looked at that last week in Romans. So that they that believe don't believe are without excuse. So he's, he, he requires faith. He demands faith. He that cometh to God must believe that He is. And He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. But He's also given the testimony and the witness of His Son. The Holy Ghost bearing that witness to our hearts from the Word of God, from other people that share Christ with us, from even creation that is declaring the handiwork of God. And that creation is even enough, He says. God in creation has revealed enough of Himself that people could see even His eternal power in Godhead. That's amazing. His eternal, that shows He's eternal. It shows He has eternal power and His Godhead, that He's deity. All that, just in creation, just in a river and a stream and a mountain and the, the sky and a thunderstorm, all of that and the wonder of creation, how He sustains life and He upholds it all by the word of His power, it says in Hebrews, is an amazing thing. And if people will believe, they can believe. Amen. So it's not beyond a lost man to believe. If it was, none of us would be saved. And God is actively and eagerly and capably seeking men to save them. You've heard of the hounds of heaven. God is hounding people down to be born again. He wants men to be saved. And men can be saved. Amen? Thank the Lord for that. But they have not all obeyed the Gospel, it says in Romans 10. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So it comes down to the individual. They have not all obeyed the Gospel. But they could have. Right? They have not all obeyed the Gospel. Who's, Lord, who's believed our report? And that's, that's the ones that believe unto the saving of their souls. That's the one that put their trust in Christ who has believed. Look at this if you, if you would. Uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Now this is, dealing, this is specifically accounting uh, Israel and their wandering in the wilderness and so forth. Let's read verses 2 and 3. Hebrews 4, 2 and 3. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. The them here is the Israelites in the wilderness. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Looking at verse 2. Have you ever thought about this? That it says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. And that them is the Israelites. The gospel was preached to them. I know Christ hadn't come yet, but putting your faith and trust, and trust in Christ and, and putting your faith in God for righteousness and eternal salvation, that message was preached to them. 
it was preached unto them, but it did not profit them. And that just blows my mind. Because there's nothing more beneficial or profitable than the Gospel. Yet it did not benefit them. It did not profit them at all. It was, it was a, a waste to them. Not because the Gospel's a waste. It was a waste to them because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. See the absolutely, absolute necessity of faith. Jesus said, Therefore I said unto you, you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am He, you shall die in your sins. Nothing about works. Nothing about, uh, like I said, vowing to never sin again or making some big boast to God of how we're going to be the best Christian that ever walked on the planet and do more than Abraham did. If you believe not that I am He. And a lot of Bible scholars say when He says I am, that's a name for the Lord right there. That eternal God, I am, that appeared to Abraham. If you believe not that I am He, that I am, you will die in your sins. Now everybody sinned, but everybody doesn't have to die in their sins. Amen? Everybody has sinned, but everybody doesn't have to die in their sins. Because there's a Savior who become your own Savior when you put your faith and trust in Him. And whoever you're praying for, your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your aunts, your uncles, your co-workers, your friends, they can be saved too, but they're not going to come some other way. They're going to come this way. And come by faith in Jesus. They're not going to say, well, you know, Randy, Jesus is good for you, but I've chosen another path. But that other path, all they try to come another way, Jesus said, are thieves and robbers. And they're not going to come in. There's a straight gate, there's a narrow gate, a straight path that leads to life. And few there be that find it. And I know I say this all the time. It's a narrow gate, but it's wide enough for all. Amen. It's narrow in the sense that it's just through Jesus Christ. But it's wide enough if all 8 billion people on the planet wanted to come today, they could. That's how wide it is, okay? And Jesus uh, says, whosoever will. And that word, when it, we're reading in Hebrews that the Gospel did not profit them not being mixed with faith. It means combined. The word mixed means combined together, to commingle. So Israel heard the Gospel. They had the Gospel. But they didn't believe the Gospel. Now we know Joshua did. And Caleb did. And obviously Moses did. And they are spoken of in the book of, of Hebrews and, and all through the Bible because of their faith. But it didn't profit them. And you know that there is nothing promised to the unbeliever. It has nothing to do with the amount of sin we've committed. That the ones that are a little less sinful, God favors a little more. The ones that are a lot more sinful, He favors a lot less. It has to do with faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, It has to do with faith in Christ. There's nothing promised to the faithless and the unbelieving. Except judgment. Nothing promised to them. The Word did not profit them. That word profit means benefit, advantage, to better, in a sense like a verb, to better them or to be useful to them. And again, it's amazing because there's nothing more beneficial than the Gospel. But the Bible says the Gospel and the Word did not benefit these people because they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. We have to put our trust in the Lord. And so, uh, Hebrews goes on to say that uh, in the previous chapter, in chapter uh, 3, that the Israelites as a whole had an evil heart of what? 
unbelief, right? An evil heart of unbelief. If, if I was being just thinking in my own mind, I would say an evil heart of murder, an evil heart of hatred, an evil heart of idolatry, and a lot of sinful things that are so gross and, and horrible. But the Lord says they had an evil heart of unbelief. Again, why is it so evil to not believe in God? It's evil to not believe in God because He created us. He even put our conscience in us. And He has given us what we need to believe. And it's sheer rebellion. It's sheer rebellion to shake our fist at God and say, I will not believe. Jesus is at the tomb of Lazarus. We know the story. Four days He's in the grave. His body is decaying. He commands to, to pull the stone away. And Mary and Martha did trust God enough to have the stone rolled away. Okay? He speaks. Said, I nodded to you if you believe. If you'd only believe, you would see the glory of God. He speaks. Lazarus, who was dead for four days and his body decaying, inside of a tomb, all wrapped up in grave clothes, like a mummy, comes out of there, he says, and walks out on his own after he says, Lazarus, come forth. And then Jesus says, loose him and let him go. And the Pharisees that were standing by instantly took counsel how they could kill Jesus. That's an evil heart of unbelief. Because all that they would possibly need to put their trust in Christ was given them. Not just that miracle, which was a notable miracle, raising somebody from the dead, but all that they had all the prophecies of the Scriptures. They had the, uh, the Holy Ghost bearing witness to the Word of God. They had uh, their own conscience. They had creation. They had the Gospel and the Word going forth. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. And yet they chose not to believe. So it's not just uh, this poor person can't believe. They can believe. It's an evil heart of unbelief. It says their hearts were hard. They refused Him that spoke. And the Bible admonishes the believers today and people today, be sure that we refuse not Him who's speaking. Okay? As they harden their hearts in the day of provocation when they provoke Me in the wilderness. And so, they did not enter into the rest. Don't refuse Him that speaks. <clears throat> Listen, they did not enter into the promised land. God had a specific land for them. Can you imagine? He had a specific country for them. A land flowing with milk and honey. They were excited. They're going to go from being slaves in Egypt to this beautiful land flowing with milk and honey and, and living in houses they didn't have to build. You know, and, and eating from, from vineyards they didn't even have to plant. And it was there. It was really there. It wasn't an imagination, you know, imaginary land. It was there, and they could not, they did not enter in but to God's rest because of their unbelief. They didn't enter into the promised land because of their unbelief. They could not. And God had promised that land to them and desired them to have it. Just like He desires every lost man to be saved and go to heaven one day. And for their body to be the temple of the Holy Ghost and Him actually come take residency in them. The drunk out on the street and the murderer in Angola and whoever it is, He loves them. And He wants to come into their heart and forgive them and cleanse them and make them new and show what He can do in their life. So it's a testimony for others and for them. And because He loves them, He desires them. But they, men do not enter in. Just like the Israelites didn't enter into their rest, there are multitudes and multitudes that 
have not, and many that still will not enter into the rest that God has for them because of their unbelief. It wasn't because Israel couldn't go to the promised land. It wasn't that they didn't go in because the Canaanites were too strong of an enemy. They didn't, it wasn't because there were giants in the land. It wasn't because God wasn't able to bring them in. They could not go in because of their own unbelief. And as I said, there are people that refuse to believe in God. Their carcass is filled in the wilderness. There's going to be people that die and go to hell. And the whole time the Lord loved them. And He didn't want them to go to hell. There are people dropping off and going to hell as we speak this morning. And God loves them and Jesus died for them. And all through their lives of sin and rebellion against God, He loved them. He loved them to the very end. He loved them. And they're going to die and go to hell. Not because God's not a Savior. Not because He's not strong enough. But because they refused Him that spoke. They refused to believe. That's an evil heart of unbelief. And I'm, I'm going to be closing. We're not quite as long this morning. But they died in unbelief. And there are people that are dying in unbelief when they could be saved. They could be reconciled with God. They could have peace with God, as we said in Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith. They could go to His heaven one day, but they die in unbelief. Why will a man die and go to hell and die in their sins when they could be saved? Isn't that, isn't that what the Lord even said to Israel? Why will you die, O house of Israel? You don't have to. Turn to Me. Come to Me. I haven't divorced you like a, a husband divorces his wife. You've divorced me. You've walked away from me. You've refused to believe me. You've turned to idols. I've proved myself faithful to you. You know that I am, but you won't bow yourself and come to me and repent and turn to me. That's by faith that a man does that. Why will a man not put his faith and confidence in Christ and trust in Christ alone when he has proven himself faithful? Amen? He's proven himself faithful. There was a true story. Of, I've shared it before, but I talk a lot about uh, D.L. Moody, Dwight Moody. Uh, lived in the U.S. in Chicago. In the, he was like mid and late 1800s, early 1900s. Okay, and he was, uh, got born again. And when he got born again, and then later in life got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and he was a very much... Uh, used of the Lord. One of the most wonderful evangelists the world's ever known. There's a simple and a powerful way about his bringing the gospel and people getting saved. Well, he was lived in Chicago and he was a chaplain for the Union Army during the time of the Civil War. I think that's one of many things he did. Well, he was called to, to come visit a soldier who was dying. It was a Union soldier in a tent that was dying. He said, Mr. Moody, we want you to come and talk to him. And he wants, he wants some... Christian or religious man to come talk to him. So Moody goes out to visit with him. And the man's in bad shape, a very young man, laying on the on the, the stretcher there. And Moody comes and says, how are you doing, young man? And, and, the, and that young man says, uh, Mr. Moody, I, I need someone to help me die. I need someone to help me die. And Mr. Moody says, I'm sorry, son, I can't help you die. Um, but I'm going to read some scripture to you. So he, he picks up the Bible and he begins to read the Gospel of John. Starting John um, 1, he get, and he's getting all the way to chapter 3, where it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the young man says, Stop right there. 
And he says, read that again. And he reads that again. God so look. He goes, does it really say that? Yeah, he goes, yeah, it really says that. Read it again. He reads it like three or four times. And the young, young man says, well, that's all I have to do? He goes, anybody can believe. He goes, a young man can believe. An old man can believe. A dying man can believe. And Moody prayed with him. He gave his life to Christ. He helped him die, I guess you would say, uh, what he was asking. But the point of that story is the simplicity of it. Anybody can believe. Aren't you, aren't you glad that God made it to where anybody can be saved? Anybody can believe. There'll be a lot of wonderful works that follow the, the saved man's life that are amazing things and acts of faith and works of faith that God does. It's got to start with saving faith. And anybody can believe. Anybody can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to close with these Scriptures. This the end of the book of Revelation. And He said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. We receive it by faith. Paul said, And I want to be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith, the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That's, I want to be found in Him. That's the only way to be found in Him is to have the righteousness of God which we receive by faith. These altars are open, y'all. I want us to come and say, well, I'm saved. I've been saved for a long time. I could have preached that sermon. It's so simple and elementary, and I know you could have. But I want us to come and thank God for faith to be saved. Thank God that He made it that way for men to be saved. We don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. We don't have to do it over an extended period of time. We, we can come after a life of sin and be saved. We can come as a dying soldier and be saved from our sin. He wants men to be saved, but it's based upon our confidence and our trust in Christ and in Christ alone. And as, as these altars are open, y'all. As you're coming, these going to be playing softly. I want to read something, but you go in and pray. Don't wait. I'm just going to read a little paragraph from a, a book that I was studying. A paragraph it says, "Look unto me and be saved." It's from Isaiah 45:22. The listening soul looks out and waits till the veil parts, and God is fully revealed. And as he looks, the Lord becomes real. Then His word and His salvation become real. Faith as the eye gazes upon the wealth and loveliness of the Savior. And as the eye of faith turns to the Savior and stops looking at it, the unhealthy scrutiny of self and sin and begins to look on Christ in His marvelous grace and the sight the eye beholds is so transcendent and satisfying. Of course, the eye does not create the surpassing splendor. It simply grasps them. Receive. And the Bible says in John 1, for as many as receive Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. This is the Gospel, y'all. It's a wonderful thing. Don't let it become old to you. Thank God that you're saved. I appreciate the songs. You sang so many songs this morning about the cross and the blood and, and where, where, where we were without His amazing grace and love. 
Just take some time to worship the Lord. Make an altar at your chair or come to this altar at the front.